Sound Fury Watch Podcast presents. Salaxa. up until 2 a.m. every night uh these days especially but yeah i've always been kind of a late a late person and then being on pacific time just compounds the issue with everybody else in the world i don't think i understand that one i would think that would be more of an est problem well i guess it depends on your goal (laughs) my goal is to spend more time with people who are awake and basically, 97% of the people I know go to sleep when I'm still awake. And then, basically, about an hour after I go to sleep, they all wake up. Right. So, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't help me in that regard, being a late-night person on one of the latest time zones in the country. Yeah, I can, I can definitely understand that. Um... I mean, I used to be like a super late night person, um, but I also, and like, you know, you're, so I'm talking like a couple years back, I had a job where I could like make my own schedule and stuff. So it wasn't a big deal for me to go to bed at like three in the morning and, you know, stay up role playing or whatever. Um, but like now that, now that I have to be up early by EST times, you know, I'm, I'm usually in bed by like 11, yeah. which you know, I'm okay with. Um, but is going to bed like at two o'clock, like a after quarantine thing, or like were you doing that beforehand too? Well, it slipped later since quarantine. It was yeah. more like one o'clock. Okay. Before, and I've been trying to kind of drag it back in, but yeah, I mean, I don't work in the morning right now because morning is when I'm sort of on duty with the kids. Oh, okay. Um, so I've been sleeping in a little bit longer because the kids do. <laughs> and then right. staying up a little later and it's just it's just kind of slipped. But we're, we've always been kind of on a later schedule. My husband works yeah. in gaming, so um, his job has almost always been on a later schedule. That's awesome. I'm jealous of your husband. What does he, <laughs> what, what does he do? He is a customer service manager type for game companies. He actually got his start at Blizzard. He worked for Blizzard for like 9.7 years or something like that. And uh, he got his start in the brand new customer service department that they were um, putting together for this fancy new World of Warcraft game they were about to put out. Did he get laid off with all the... layoffs like last year or something 
No, no. Luckily, he never was a, a victim of any of their layoffs. He unfortunately had to kind of like manage through one or two of them. But yeah. no, he actually left Blizzard. Um, gosh, you're going to start getting a feel for how old I am. But he left Blizzard in about 2000 and Probably 2015. Oh. 14. He says 14. He says 14. He's outside. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, I... I was going to say, if he started working there when WoW was new, then 9.7 years later, that would be, yeah, 2014. Yeah, because it, it came out in 2005. Yeah. I, mean, I was trying to remember the, the flow of our lives. He, he basically um, left Blizzard when we moved away from Texas and I moved out to California. And he's worked so, for a couple of different companies doing game stuff out here since then. So you guys were living in Texas, and he was working for Blizzard, and then you moved to California, which is closer to them, and he stopped working there. <laughs> you want to know the full story? The full story, well, sure. we, were, we were living in California, and he started working for them. Oh, then okay. they opened a facility in Texas for customer service and, and support, and we moved out there for his, you know promotions in that new department and then we moved back to california but northern california for my work and that's when he left blizzard because they're in southern california gotcha okay right yeah right yeah okay interesting yeah it gets convoluted well i mean that's all right i mean it's cool to it's cool to know somebody who has worked on wow you know since it's a game that you've got a lot of time invested into yeah, the the interesting thing about it is that um, he doesn't play at all, and that's a, a side effect of having worked on it for so long. He he basically will start a new expansion with me and level characters to whatever the new max level is with me. Just you know our our one tens to one twenties, for example, and then he's done. He's he's right. seen too much. He doesn't want to play it anymore. You know what? I mean, I kind of get that because there are some. MMOs that I've played, like specifically, um, have you ever played Star Wars: The Old Republic? Yes, a little bit. Okay. Um, now, d did you play Knights of the Old Republic, the um, the console game, or it's on Steam now too? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so, uh, the Old Republic is their is their MMO, but that's kind of like based on. Um, the console games that they had, which which yeah, I think they're I think that they're on Steam now for PC, but before they were just on like the PlayStation or the Xbox. Um, and the Knights of the Old Republic were like RPGs where uh, you like you know you made a character and um, like in the first one you were like going through the game and like eventually you find out that you were like the Dark Sith Lord or whatever. Um, but like the the storytelling was really good um, in. Kotor, but also in the old the old Republic, and then the end game was like horrible. So like I kind of can sympathize with that because WoW is kind of almost the same way. Like going through the questing is fun, and like you know doing like the dynamic t uh, quests and like um, you know the campaigns and everything with the different zones. But then when you hit that max level, it's like you have to slog through the grind of getting better gear and doing the dungeons and there isn't like that story component anymore to carry you through it. Yeah. So 
and I don't know if he cares about the story anyways, but you know, at least for myself, sometimes it can be difficult to take that next step and actually start doing the content. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a lot lighter on the story once you get to endgame. It's sort of like you have to hunt down the little bits of story that it, that still exist to be told. And you have to work really hard to even to get to them. Like the the ending of Nihilotha, what you actually see and do and the cinematics and stuff. It's cool. I mean, there are critics of it, but it's still a cool story and it's neat to see it happen. But <laughs> it took my raid team like three months of work to earn that, you know, three months of slogging just to get to that point. Right. And that's that's definitely not something that everybody's on board for. He also just, he, he really likes a lot of different ridiculous games. And so he just doesn't want to be caught in any one game. He's, he plays the silliest things and he loves them and more power to him. But I would never, <laughs> I would never be able to play those games and like, hold my head high the next day <laughs> well you, you make them sound like they're like bad or something or like embarrassing well i mean games are an interesting thing right there are all different consumers nowadays sure. especially right and all different games and it's just astounding to me the things that i would never even consider could be fun that I watch him, you know, play for five minutes and I'm like, no, I'm going to hate it. I'm not going to play that with you, but you have fun. It's like, you know, things like a hacking simulator or some weird goat bouncing physics engine or they got some oh, yeah, game the on the, <laughs> yeah. they got some uh, weird game on the Switch because my husband now has, you know, his gamer daughter who's old enough to start playing stuff with them. Right. And they were playing some mean duck game no goose it's a goose oh yeah yeah the um untitled goose uh, untitled goose game yeah yeah you like <laughs> play as a goose and your job is to steal people's cakes and get past them into the garden i don't even know i was like um okay guys i'm gonna go do something else now <laughs> right that's that's so funny that you mentioned that because I think it was like maybe six months ago that it came out or like some, some period of time. I don't know. Maybe it was last year. Uh, but my, my brother, my brother kind of does the same thing. He will like buy a $10 game on steam or he like bought that goose game. Um, and then he'll call me and be like, Oh my God, uh, you have to try this. And then he'll like try to get me to buy it. Yeah. You know, he invited me over to try that. And it was kind of funny, but like, you know, kind of gimmicky also at the same time like yeah you're you're a mean goose and you do mean things and while that's you know funny for a couple hours eventually it's like all right you know i need something like else to kind of care <laughs> to, <laughs> to, keep, to keep me going through my gaming career yeah it's like that was fun for 10 minutes i'm over it <laughs> right yeah and then you're like okay i spent 30 dollars on that you yeah. know or whatever it was but um you know what? I mean, I don't know. Like, I have a lot of games on Steam, and I think that, depending on my mood at the at the time, really kind of changes what I want to play. Um, like, if I feel like listening to an audiobook or, like, listening to music and, like, grinding on World of Warcraft, sometimes that is, like, 
the exact amount of mental stimulation that I need to actually like relax, which sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, there is like something cathartic about um, the other day I was with um, Kagaresh, Kagarish, however you say their name. Kagaresh. Kagaresh. Um, we were just, I think, for like a couple hours uh, killing robots on Mechagon. So, uh, you know, they were helping me farm this essence. And, you know, it was kind of nice to just like be doing that, you know, having my music going, drinking my coffee. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when, I, when I'm in that mental state of mind, it's like, okay, you know, this is like, you know, bringing me off of a stress level. And, you know, it's good to just like, I don't feel like... um like I'm on vacation this week and sometimes I feel like if I'm not like constantly doing something, I'm like wasting my time and that gives me anxiety, which is like the, <laughs> the exact opposite um, intended effect of a vacation. Um, so like in doing those like multiple things, it feels like I am accomplishing something. And so that like, you know, it's like a mind hack. It makes me feel better about, you know, wasting my day on my computer <laughs> yeah. essentially. I, um, I know exactly how you feel. I mean, um, that that thing you do where you're like, oh man, this is my relax day. I gotta relax. I gotta chill out. And right. then at the end of the day, you just feel like crap. And you're Guilty. so amped up and stressed out because you know you didn't get like jack done all day. And you right. just feel like you want to do over on your relax day because it totally didn't work. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that you you like understand me there because like you know that's like a internal struggle that I feel like not everybody has, <laughs> you know, um, and you know I don't know it's just like so when I'm when I'm in that mood and I need something to just like kind of even everything out you know um, you know grinding on WoW is perfect for that. Yeah, yeah, but, I get it. I get that a lot. I'm my my sort of thing with WoW has been. It is one of the only ways that I like chill out and relax. And sometimes that works better than others, depending on what I'm doing. But, you know, that thing where you're just hanging out with a buddy, killing things, looting up stuff, relaxing is, is one of the best ways to just get in the game and feel a little bit accomplished, but also like you don't really have to do anything. Right. There's no... And I guess that's kind of like a a blessing and a curse of like their loot system is like the content that you participate in scales, um, you know, to an extent around you, like, you know, doing quests out in the open, um, you know, depending on your item level, you know, the, the mobs will be, your will have like progressively more health so it's not like you know some content feels like a waste of time to do even though some of it does because the the rewards aren't worth it but um you know it's almost like they're taking away the pressure of having to get more gear well maybe not for you because you you do raiding and stuff (laughs) um but i don't know like yeah. I feel like I feel like that's kind of why they did that because they're like they don't want people to feel and this is why it's good and bad because you know the negative aspect is that they want people to feel like a hamster on a wheel or that's what people will say. Right. But then like you know the positive is like you know if you recognize that you've been a hamster on the wheel all along <laughs> that you can kind of just do whatever you want and 
Yeah. It is what it is. Like, no big deal. Well, I, I mean, I think that's been very clear in the latter part of Battle for Azeroth, especially, and, and Legion even some. But, you know, they have definitely done this thing where they don't want anybody to feel too left behind. And so right. when a new content mini patch comes out, they up the reward levels for, you know, eye levels on gear. And they make it so now you can do heroic warfront. It gives you even higher gear. And they also, on the flip side, right, you, you go into Najatar for the first time and you're like, holy crap, these simple mobs hit like trucks. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So so they're trying to kind of balance that, I think. And um, I think it has merit. It's a little weird, though. It takes some getting used to. But th- the fact is, if you're raiding just to be able to EP in your eye level then you're probably doing it for the wrong reason anyway. And you might as well just go EP in your eye level on, you know, World Quests and Heroic Darkshore and whatever else you want. Right. Because the whole reason to go and do the raids and do the high-end content, whatever you want to call it, is for the challenge of it. And that's what, like, Mythic Plus is all about, right? Personal right. accountability and challenge is the only way you get through those keys and you push higher. And you keep going up, right? I will say, I think that the the Mythic Plus design is genius. Um, and, you know, it's so simple, but, like, um, and also with the uh, with the visions, how you can, it, it's almost like uh, those roguelike games where, um, you know, everything is procedurally generated and you, you work through it eventually knowing that you're going to reach a point where you can't keep up anymore um but like every time that you go through you either you'll learn something or get some kind of reward to power yourself up um and that's exactly what they do with the mythic plus and the visions is like every time you go through mythic plus you know you're probably getting better gear and so that just like lets you progress farther and i think that's a much more rewarding um way of putting the content out because yeah as you progress farther things do get more challenging because they add in more of those um affixes i think is right yeah affixes right yeah and i wish that i was more involved with the mythic plus like this time around because i really liked it in legion um but i'm glad that i'm getting into or i'm glad that i did the the visions too because i feel like that was like kind of a cool um, I liked the alternate reality of it, and I don't really care about Rathian, but um, just to like, you know, kind of see the corruption there, it was cool because it made Nazoth like less of a generic villain. I feel like, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if you've noticed, but like, I love playing with the horrific visions. I have horrific visions, little. I don't know, vignettes, mini stories, whatever you want to. I've explored the what if for right. most of my roleplay characters of like, what if they succumb to the whispers or how would they become like some minion of Nazoth in the horrific visions? And it's fun to play with. Um, the, the storytelling there is one thing. And then what they've done with it is use it to make the gameplay have variety. And right. yeah, I mean, that stuff does eventually always get stale i've run keys so in legion i didn't even know mythic plus was a thing i barely understood it at all in battle for azeroth 
second half is when I had somebody finally sit me down and be like, look, this is what Mythic Plus is. And now I run, uh, I don't run keys a ton. I have friends who run them way more, but I try to do a high key, a 14, 15, once a week at least. And those are, they're a new challenge every week because those four affixes change. Well, three change. One's, One's always the same if you're above 10, but um, and they've done the same thing with the visions, right? They they change what the mask affixes are and what the zone affixes are week to week to try to do as much as they can without actually making it a true, like, randomized map that is different every time you go in. So it's sort of like they've, they've gone halfway. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think that Blizzard really can do the procedurally generated thing. Like that's really just not. It's not. It's not in the cards for for World of Warcraft. It, it's not a two bit game. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, we're not dealing with pixel graphics here. You're, you're not just going to be able to generate a dungeon. You know, no problem. Right. <laughs> um, so I feel like they're they're doing the best that they can with that. Um, but I like it. You know, for that reason. You know that it's it's always different and you can't get comfortable with it. But also, like, that it kind of feels like it's a valid way to be not a raider, but a content pusher, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that kind of matches up with your um, statement earlier that they don't like leaving people behind. That they want to have the content be available to just about everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they really do that on so many levels, too. I mean, think about the bat- the pet battles. They put in dungeons in the pet battles. I just did the first one I've ever tried this morning. Even though I collect the pet battles, I don't actually, or sorry, I collect the little pets. I don't actually love battling them, so I never tried any of the dungeons. But that's another content push. If you are a pet battler, you need to do some really good strategizing of which pets you bring into a fight to even defeat one of those pet battle dungeons. And so it's just one of the other sets of their customers that they have, you know, tried to target with this idea that, you know, it doesn't take more than one person to push content. Maybe it takes five. Okay, do keys. Maybe you got 15. Okay, you can raid if you want. Or you can do three groups of keys, you know. They've given a lot of options to to keep people interested. I didn't know that there were pet battle dungeons. Oh, Yes, there are pet battle dungeons. And then, in fact, um, the first kind of example of that, I think, is from um, Pandaria. They do that celestial court where you would go into this scenario on the the Timeless Isle. And you kind of have to do like a series of difficult pet battles. And if you get to the end, you get currency and do it enough and you can get cool pets and stuff like that. But now we have um, Numergun is a pet battle dungeon, and um, Stratholm is a pet battle dungeon. Wow, <laughs> I did not know that. That's actually kind of funny. So, what do you do? You like fight Baron Rivendare and Stratholm? I haven't done pet- Strat. I did Numergun this morning, and okay. um, I mean it's it's a it's a pet battle, right? So it's not like you're running through real Numergun doing you know. Your, your actual attack keys or anything. You, you kind of just like zone into this little place that looks like Nomergon and there's a pet 
dude to battle, you know. <laughs> and of course, they're mostly robots. Okay. And you have to battle this guy. And then when you defeat that guy, you go down and you see these three other pets. And you have to defeat them. And then once you defeat them, you can <laughs> battle the door console <laughs> and open oh. the door. <laughs> okay. That one had me laughing. I was like, okay. But it's it's true. And then, you know, you just keep like progressing through. It's like you defeat one defeat one pet, you get an option to choose the next pet you defeat, and then you get all the way to the end and there's actually some story in there. Although I was a little bit like, What? Deer in the headlights when they started launching into it. But there's like some mysterious figure in there by the last boss and they give you some villain monologue about how they have a purpose and you're going to pay or something and then you fight the last pet and it's done but i guess i'll wow. i'll learn more when i do straddle mysterious oh my god i'm gonna have to check that out because yeah i'm like you i i have like over 100 battle pets and i think that some of them are level 25 but i remember i, I was talking to somebody who was really into it and like even if you have a level 25 battle pet that doesn't mean that it's like the best one like you know some of them have like different stats or can like have variants in their stats and it's almost like pokemon with, with like the effort values and stuff like that um yeah and so that like completely lost me i was like okay look you know the the pet battles are cool and everything but i am not putting <laughs> that much effort into it yeah yeah um, i mean it, it's but, totally pokemon in wow i mean they they, right. they ripped it right off like the only thing they didn't have is a pikachu in there it's it's right. just <laughs> for all you pokey fans here is the same sort of thing within wow because it's you know elemental balance like you know if, if it's rock you fight with water or something i i actually didn't play pokemon so i don't know but um You've never played Pokemon? <sighs> never is a strong word. I played it enough to know what it is. Okay. And I played it a little bit on like ugh, Game Boy or something. Mm -hmm. But I never got into it. And in fact, I've learned more watching my my daughter play Sword and Shield. Is that the right? Yep. The new one. Yeah. yeah I've watched yeah. her play. I've, I'm like, yeah, you have a nice bunny. Good job. I don't know. <laughs> I have Pokemon Sword and I like it. I like the I like how you can turn your Pokemon into the giant versions of themselves. I think that's hilarious. Oh yeah, I saw that one time. I was like, "What just happened?" She right, was explaining yeah. it to me. I was like, "Wow, okay. That's cool, I guess." She had like a uh, giant rock horse or something. Yeah, uh Dynamax or whatever. I, I don't know. The the first time I saw that, I was just like, "What is this?" You know, kind of um you know, pro probably kind of like how you were when they launched into the story in the dungeon. Just like, oh my god, it's it's like jumping the shark. You know, it's like okay, <laughs> but um, oh, don't lie, your little fanboy heart went to flutter, didn't it? Oh, it did. <laughs> um, and it was funny too because I had the, um, I got a free like awesome Pikachu in the game because I had one of the previous, um pokemon games let's go pikachu or whatever oh nice um and pikachu can dynamax and when he or when they when they do so they just sound ridiculous um, <laughs> because you know they like they like take the pokemon's voice and they like pitch it down like a couple of oh years. yeah so yeah pikachu is like a high-pitched you know right pika. Pika, pika. And so instead when it turns into the big monster it's like pika and it's just like oh <laughs> okay 
that's just wrong. Yeah, right. Like that, that doesn't make sense, (laughs) but sure. Yeah. I will say the one thing that I did do, uh, whatever in college, I was just totally still into cartoons. I watched cartoons all the time and I watched Mm -hmm. the Pokemon cartoon. So like, that's kind of, I know the, the little Pokemans and those characters like Brock and Ash Ketchum and Ash, right. But uh, yeah, I just never really played the games, so I have oh, just so enough knowledge to be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. The um, I watched a little bit of the of the anime there when I was a kid, but you know, I don't know. I like the games a little bit better, and then I think I did some of the card collecting, but. After I after I beat the Elite Four or whatever, you know, I, there's like this whole other end game stuff that you can do with that game. But again, like with WoW, you know, that's like that's a difficult hurdle to get over when you're used to riding the the Pokemon Challenge and trying to become the champion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a definitely like end point to that story. <laughs> like you're trying to become the champion, you become the champion, the end. Bada bing. Yeah. Bada bing. So, um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to check out the, the pet battles because I mean, I don't know, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, do, I, you do have to do a lot of setup work to even try any of that advanced stuff. Cause you've got to have the right pets at 25 and multiples of the right pets at 25. And so, you know, there's, there's footwork to do to even try to do it. So it's hard. It's a little hard. I I have, I don't know, like 870 or so bottle pets. 870? And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pushing for the 1,000 pets thing, hopefully. One of oh. these one of these years. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I have many at 25. Not all, by any means. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's like less than 100, I'm sure. But um, I still struggled with having the right ones with the right abilities to make it through no Morgan. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, not well, to dissuade you, go do it. Own it tops. Yeah. No, I mean, um, now I'm, now I'm questioning how many battle pets I have because I thought that saying over a hundred was a lot, but maybe I have more. I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, you know, whatever. I don't know. I've never really been a person to, have a battle pet out like especially for like role play or just like in general sometimes i'll get one that i like and i'll put it on my my action bar but then i'll, I'll forget about it and you know lance doesn't really have pets you know right so it, it's just not a part of the character and so generally speaking if i can't incorporate something cool or if i can't incorporate content into my role play then it's not something that's going to stick right yeah that makes sense i mean as you as you would know um i of course have selex's beloved pet zalti which is a battle pet an axe speaks that you can just get from um, sandalar yep and to me like it's part of my collection right i've i've collected these pets because i have fun with them and so you know I usually do have some sort of pet with some sort of story, not always out on at role play or anything, but that belongs to the character or, you know, that has a, a thing. I went 
I went over the top and off the rails with my Draenei at one point. Um, and had this whole series of battle pets that would manifest around her, depending on her emotions, because she didn't control her new power. Let's not get too deep, but it gets soap opera fast. But anyway, and I just had this whole set of like, um, probably 10 that I worked up this whole system of like, when she's feeling sad, then it turns into this. And when she's feeling happy, it morphs into this. And I had this whole series of emotes and everything, and it was completely nerdy. I mean, that is one way of showing other people how your character is feeling at one particular <laughs> time, I guess. Um, I tend to do that with fa- with facial expressions, uh, but, you know, teach their own. Yeah. Well, you know, again, we can go real deep into this, but the, the character was basically very stoic, very ice queen, like denied all emotions. And this thing that the pets would do was this like leak that she couldn't uh, control and she hated it. <laughs> like, only some people could even see them. And it gets, yeah, it gets, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> no. hey, this is my right. Draenei void night. So we can just, oh. we can just roll our eyes right there. Void night. I like that. That's, yeah. I like, I like ice queen and I like void night. Those two together. Sounds like a good combo to me. Yeah, she's uh, fun, but yeah, you know, she's not for everybody. She's like I joke with the South Fury watch and sometimes uh, in certain circles anyway about like running a campaign of like spaceships and South Fury watch and laser guns and all this stuff. Uh because that's actually kind of what <laughs> what her world is. I know it would never fly in the watch. But that's that's this other whole edgelord interplanetary ships demons side of roleplay that I get into sometimes. I will say that's something interesting about you know, being being in the watch is like I'm working on a short story and I'm like having the characters use radios and then I'm thinking to, in the back of my mind like I'm gonna post this in the South Fury Watch Discord. And then, like, Zeka or, like, somebody else is going to be like, oh, um, radios don't exist in Azeroth. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. By the way. And it's like, uh, you know, they kind of do. They totally do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, like, yeah, we have we have airships. We have, yeah, we have the, the literal spaceships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have aliens from outer space. You know, That's right. Um. You know, gnomes were uh, had a whole city made of technology. That's right. Um, and you know, among other things, and there's also magic. So voila, and you know, we're out here in the barrens, uh, <laughs> you know, doing our thing, yeah. which is fine. You know, as far as like keeping up with the theme goes, you know, I think that that's appropriate, and you know, people are here for a specific kind of role play too. So, you know, that's all good. But it does make it interesting when you try to incorporate other elements into the Watch's story. Um, you know, it's kind of like breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things that all writers have to do is know your audience. With sure. the Watch, I joke to get their goats about you know bringing in this stuff that I know is not within what the people have come to the Watch to roleplay, right? You know, they right. don't want to 
We don't want to have our wounds healed with freaking light magic. We want our freak scars and our wooden teeth and whatever else. We don't want to portal from Mulgore to Orgrimmar in two seconds. I want to ride there in seven days and nearly kill myself doing it on my stinky wolf, right? It's just uh-huh. it's just kind of what the audience wants in that environment. And so, right. you know, it's good, I think, to push a little bit on that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. bring in the radios. That's totally legit, especially for Topsail and Cass and, you know, the goblins who are allowed in the watch, right? right. But be prepared for the orc to, with the totes their axes and chews on their cud to complain about it. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> right. And, you know, it is kind of funny because they are pretty easy to... Um, it's It's easy to get under some of their skins. Yeah, you know, just by like bringing it up, and it, it is kind of funny to just like kind of tease that, you know, and watch them watch their skin crawl. I guess right. <laughs> watch them writhe a little bit. No, yeah. I mean, if if I thought people were legitimately upset, then it would be a little bit different. But you know, we have our we have our group of people with their crotchety orc characters or their old trolls or whatever who enjoy bringing that a little bit outside of the character as well and just like you know we we chat all the time about night elf bashing and all that stuff and right. so many people who would be part of those conversations would also then go log on to their night elf character oh for sure yeah and it's just sort of it's part of the fun actually i think of that of that audience in that environment is like eh, you know a little bit of the blurring of the ic and the ooc lines but Really, it's just about kind of continuing to have fun with that that attitude, you know, that gritty red dirt and honor <laughs> right attitude of like I'm just gonna plant my stake in the dirt and defend it until I can't do it anymore. And screw everybody else who tries yeah. to stop me. Right? Don't um, you come in here with your freaking crystal spaceships? This is dirt land. Right. <laughs> Nothing can stand up to the axe. <laughs> yeah, except no. like everything. <laughs> well, right, yeah, but you know, we we can't dispel the illusion. Um, and you know what? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think of like uh, I think of Rog when you're talking about that. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> he he's definitely um, kind of like embodies the the mindset of his character a little bit out of character too. Mm. Um, and like I think that's healthy to like you know have maybe like have an extension of yourself and the character, but also have an extension of the character and yourself, you know, yeah. or at least for like some, some fun, fun times, you know, like, I feel like we all have kind of have that duality going where, you know, sometimes to be in the mindset or to be able to effectively write the character that we're role playing, you have to kind of alter your, your normal persona just a little bit yeah. to get in the mood. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I would not believe anyone who told me that their character was nothing like them and was no part of them. We all carry our characters in us and we all we all use what we are to create these characters. And so, you know, for people like Vrog or you know, Furt to some extent, right? Even Tenkin, like Tenkin's a perfect example of this. He basically like was never out of character, even in the most real-world conversations we would have, right? 
That's true, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's okay as long as people understand the complex lines between the person and the character, right? The fact that, you know, Frog doesn't really want to flay everyone. Even if no. he sometimes makes comments like that in non-character related conversations, right? Sure. He doesn't really feel that way. Right. I don't know. I hope. I'm going to I'm going to put that out on faith. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I yeah, I agree with you and I think that um you know <clears throat> wow isn't uh or wow roleplay I think for everybody in the guild at least is not um a vessel for them to express real world desires that are against social norms like fleeing people or committing murder you know that's not what anybody in the guild is trying to do mm-hmm. you know so it's really just being true to the character yeah um which is good yeah it's it's you know it's that grit it's uh, some of the fun of what they're doing with the character they bring into you know the non-character discord because they can we're all we're all part of that environment right? right and it just helps to enhance it i think i don't know i mean people all have their own reasons that's part of what makes us glorious is people are so complex and we can work together to tell stories and interact and be in a different world but um you know it, it means that we we read each other a lot and we suppose about each other a lot and that kind of helps with when we're role playing too. We can we can kind of draw from the out of character experiences to also kind of enhance the IC ones, um, mm-hmm. maybe to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a very interesting, tricky area for for people, and there are different sets of opinions, like. It's sort of like, you know, the world of Warcraft we know, Blizzard has said, you know, what they show us in game, of course, the real world is bigger than that. There's more of everything, right? We we assume it takes three days to ride from Thunder Bluff to Crossroads, right, on a wolf. Right. It doesn't take anywhere near three days to actually ride that distance. It takes three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that... Uh, it's a, it's a lot the same with the characters, which means that, you know, we all have limited amount of time to actually be in-game and role-playing together. Or, you know, if you interact with me a lot, it's like telling stories on Discord or co-writing stories or whatever. You know, we, we have limited amounts of time to actually have the characters interact. Right. And I think, in reality, the story demands that our interactions be bigger than that, too. And so there comes to this weird gray space of, you know, you, you see something out of character a lot about what other characters are doing. You know, we, we put things in stories that other characters weren't there for. Like, you know, you weren't there for something. Most characters weren't there when Tops helped Stalaxa out in the story we wrote, right? Um, and there are two distinct camps about what you do with that stuff that you've learned out of character. But technically, your character doesn't know. One is the purest, I think, where it's like, look, if it did not happen in game or in a story or in something written down, 
then it did not happen, which means that uh, nobody should know that Tops helped Salaxa not get beat up by these pair of bruisers, right, who came after her. Um, however, the other school of thought is, well, sure, they weren't there for that, but there was probably some off-screen conversation where it came up. Or we out of character agreed that there was some off-screen conversation that we didn't have time to do, right? Where it came up. And so now, you know, um, Grimaga knows about it. <laughs> like, just, just knows about it. And that comes mm-hmm. into some role play, right? And those are two very, very different sort of like approaches to it. And some people get very annoyed if they're on the purist camp and some character suddenly mentions something they're like you shouldn't have known that right right i think there there's kind of like a middle ground there too in that giving context to a character's feelings like with with role play um you know we don't we don't type out emotes uh that display someone's inner thoughts or that doesn't like happen (laughs) You know, there there isn't uh there isn't an inner dialogue like you know Lance doesn't say you know fuck off to somebody meanwhile you know and then I don't emote afterwards saying like oh Lance regrets that he said that you know that like that doesn't happen um but I feel like stories kind of give uh you know the internal dialogue that a character may have um some context to the actions and so you know maybe people wouldn't know that uh lance would or people may not know that lance helps sill with bandits but maybe they may get the idea that lance and sill have dealt with bandits before and maybe kind of have a different idea or perspective on the character that helps them understand it better Mm -hmm. so it's like not necessarily needing to know the events that transpired but knowing the flesh of the character in ways that maybe you would be able to tell about somebody in real life because you can see their mannerisms in the way that they speak um, and how they interact with other people. But where we're just in a text game, essentially, you know, because we have the avatars that represent the people, but it's not that we're, we, we don't really control the way that the, the characters like actually talk, you know, we don't have, we don't have voice actors for them. Right. Um, and we can't control the motor mechanics of their bodies you know we can only control the dialogue yeah um and so i think that having the supplemental stories kind of helps flesh out the characters in those sense because you get to see more of everything that you can't see in the game and i think that's helpful too and it's kind of like a cross between those two schools of thoughts that you were thinking that i think helps a lot yeah i i totally agree with you i mean um how can I how can I put this politely? In game is poop. <laughs> I mean, like there's so little that you can actually ins- express with the in game role play. To me, it is my least favorite medium to role play in, and I would by far rather have a Discord turn based role play scene or a co written story. Because you can get so much more of the story. And I know that this is not really like everyone's attitude towards roleplay. But for me, the reason I do this is to write a story with everyone else. Um, In-game 
Discord, whatever else, whatever the medium is. Um, my purpose is to try to craft a story. Not just hang out and shoot the breeze or whatever. Um, and so, like, it's... It is a interesting middle ground to to try to bring the full circle of the characters into it, and um, I guess uh, you know the thing is in game. I think there's with this IC and OOC thing. There's a let me let me put it this way. My my take on it is sort of a, a different version of the middle ground. Um, specifically for that stuff you bring into an in-game roleplay or a live roleplay. And that is, um, if there's something that I knew out of character that the character shouldn't know, if I, I have two rules for whether it comes into the roleplay. Um, if it makes perfect sense that something happened off-scene that would let them know it, then it can come in. Or if I actually have had an out-of-character chat with the other player, whose information it it is, you know, the person it belongs to, then it can come in. Um, but it's sort of like those are those are my middle ground rules. And if it doesn't meet either one of those criteria, then I have to pretend that I never knew it and that the character never knew it. Yeah. Um, no, and I. I agree with you there, 100%. Like, I, I think of that I'm more in the purist camp as far as, like, you know, plot points goes. Um, like, you know, people people weren't there for Lance helping Syl, and so therefore, if somebody tried to act like they were, that would, you know, raise my hackles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, it, you know, knowing knowing that context about the character... You know, like I said, helps helps people get a get a grip on who they are, and you know, like I said, get a, get a feel for them in a way that we can't really express just through dialogue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you 100 percent on the just on as far as like the plot points of story goes. It's a you're there, you weren't, or you know they they let you know that you know about it somehow. And that's just the way that it is. Because otherwise, yeah, we do get into <clears throat> god moding um, problems, which is never fun. And one one thing that I do like about the watch is like we really don't have to worry about that too much, because there isn't a lot of secrecy that goes along. There is some, but there's not a whole lot. Um, or yeah. at least nobody's nobody's cued me into any of it. So maybe I'm just <laughs> living in in bliss here. Um, you got you got to be in your fancy new lofty position longer before you get all the secrets. Right. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> I'll start uh, discovering the you know the dark core of the watch and find all of the sacrificed bodies in the closet. But um, you know, I, it's 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 not like a, a house roleplay guild where you have to worry about. Um, you know what this noble said to the other and who's going to backstab who and you know all that political intrigue stuff there is no politics in the watch it's just pretty top down uh you know follow the orders or you're going to be cleaning out the kennels <laughs> yeah well it's interesting that you say that because i think the watch has some interesting politics although it's certainly not <laughs> like a silver moon city you know blood oven thing but it's a uh, more subtle. yeah, it's it's subtle and it's appropriate again to our 
our gritty environment that we play in. And it's the, the stuff where, like, you know, Zeka and Vrog are kind of at each other's throats a lot. And Vrog is clearly pretty belligerent to her. And Zeka is clearly kind of barely able to keep it under control. And, you know, right. Vrog is amassing. Have you noticed? Vrog is amassing his supporters. <laughs> So, okay, so this is actually, I wasn't going to mention it, but this is something that Lance is um, actively investigating. Um, were you at that roleplay event where he was talking about how he got a report about the, yeah, you were, about the, the sinking ships? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lance has a very strong feeling that our friend Vrog may be behind that. and. Oh. Um, so he is investigating this and, you know, he, he's not sure. Um, and so it's funny because the person who brought the report up to me, OOC, didn't tell me who was involved. Like, <laughs> you know, like out of character, does it make sense that Vrog would be involved? Yes. But like, you know, that, that's not, that's not enough for Lance to bring the case against him. But, you know, Vrog has some burn wounds on his arm and, you know. When Lance brought up the the report of the ships, he um he was like, "Yeah, some Alliance ships were sunk." And Vrog goes, "Oh, how terrible!" <laughs> you know, or, or said something right. like, you know, yeah. "Like oh, dismissive." Uh, right? Yeah. Like so, you know, a little suspicious. And also, Lance used to be a pirate, so he kind of knows the type. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's some that's some metadata there. So don't feel like you can use that. <laughs> you know, Lance doesn't tell people that he was a pirate. Otherwise, Cass would Cass would probably kill him because she was a privateer. Right. Um, yeah, I but, mean, it's uh, it's that kind of like quiet intrigue that is more right. our style, right? And and you know, it would be pretty darn good story if eventually it came to some sort of campaign of like, you know, the 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 story goes at every right it gets told, right? Of right. the history of the Watch and the civil war within the. The Hammer of Kalimdor? Yep, Obviously, of Kalimdor. I, I paid the appropriate amount of attention to the story. But, um, you know, it, it would be pretty darn good storytelling to have it come around full circle again, right? Eventually. Right. And it's our level. It's not like, oh my god, Lord Soxford said. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> can, can you imagine if, like, elves were in the guild and they were like, oh... Wrong is amassing the savages. <laughs> oh yes, you you didn't get to see I think most of it, but um, I used my blood elf as a plot alt when I did the um, disease campaign. Oh right, yeah. And there was one, no two. There were two events where Vrog got to spend time with my blood elf. And my blood elf is, you know, not a prissy lord blood elf, but he's a blood elf, you know? He's like, my boots are getting wet, (laughs) you know? Right. And he's like, you know, standing, he steps on a booby trap and like Calrec has to save him and he's just standing there like a deer in the headlights and falls on his butt, you know, that sort of thing. And um, it was just a really fun contrast, you know, to what Vrog is and to what the, the South Fury characters are versus that little plot adult who, you know, nobody has to worry about because he's not sticking around, but it's just sort of, you know, neat to play around with the, the dichotomy. 
in the dynamic for sure Mm -hmm. and you know you get to have fun because you know you're playing an elf and you know you get to watch these orcs just like you know be upset that an elf is around them and then Rog gets to be happy because he gets to sneer at them and call them prissy and Mm -hmm. you know everybody wins in the end (laughs) yeah exactly and you know between you and me and the rest of the world who's listening (laughs) i uh i talked to frog later about it and he was like i genuinely enjoyed playing with that elf character you made (laughs) yeah because of that i think you know we didn't we didn't get to the level of detail but you know it really let frog be frog and play off this total foil for frog sure without him having to be just like bloodthirsty about it he was just you know Vrog against an elf, not Vrog against some enemy. That's a different kind of being able to be Vrog, you know? Right. I think that's what's so fun for me as, you know, one of the only goblins who hangs around is that everybody else is definitely different. And, you know, I want, you know, definitely for, you know, the trolls and the tauren too, just like being able to contrast themselves against the other races um, is a nice mixing pot. And I feel like it's the right level. Like, if you did have a Forsaken or an Elf in there, there would be too much um, values conflict. Mm. Whereas, you know, with... And there is a little bit... It's breaching on too much values conflict when it comes to goblins and um, the rest of the Primal Horde races. Uh, But there's there's not so much that it it doesn't make sense. Um, But... I mean, I'm sure that you see that too. You know, th- there are trolls in the guild, but there's not a ton of them. Or actually, actually, no, that's not true. There are, there are a good number. <laughs> yeah, I was um, gonna say the trolls are uh, trolls are taking over. What are you talking about? Yeah, they're creep, they're creeping up on us. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Actually, the more that I think about it, it's more like split fifty-fifty, not exactly fifty-fifty, but between the orcs and the trolls, those are probably the two most populous, um, populous races. But I don't know. It feels it feels more orc dominant, so I'm sure that that's like a fun like thing to play with on Salaxa. Uh yeah, it is. I mean, Salaxa <laughs> is like the worst troll ever, okay. and there's reasons for that beyond just the fact that I was too lazy to do my research and develop a good troll. <laughs> but um, the the orcs are hilarious to her. Is this still working? Yeah. Sorry. Um, my, my computer screen went dead. I thought it crashed or something. Um, oh, okay. No, no. The, the, the orcs are hilarious to her. And that's part of why she has fun with the group. Is because she, she laughs at them beating their chests and sharpening their axes all the time. And, you know, being tough. And even though it's completely legit for them and all you have to do is read Vazrock's stories to understand why they should be tough as nails and all the horrible things that they've gone through. Um, But it's part of, I think, why she stayed when she came, is it wasn't just some, like, (sighs) monochrome group where everybody was just sort of saluting and doing their marches and being good soldiers in the barrens. Um, But instead, it was a whole bunch of interesting personalities with conflicting views of the world, 
but an aligned purpose in it. You know, that's what the watch is. It's red dust and honor. It's protect the barons, protect the people, protect the farms, right? Protect what it is to have a home in Kalimdor. And it has, it has gathered in a bunch of orcs, but it has also gathered in a bunch of others. And they all mix into this fun group of shifting dynamics and, you know, intrigues. Like, can the berserker old guy with the old-fashioned values be controlled? Can the young upstart who's made mistakes in the past but has confidence in her vision, you know, keep leadership, can the crazy sailor troll <laughs> fit in, right? And will they all drive Cedrith crazy before the end of the month? <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. You know, you got you got the old trolls like Antu, who is, you know, kill all the elves and and would be you know be a troll and pride of the dark sphere you've got reva who's into like the voodoo and the dark stuff and would rather not be but is and somehow his arm goes missing every week <laughs> <laughs> yeah reva has a bad relationship with an arms <laughs> um you know, and then you got the new people who, you know, have their own interesting past. I don't know how much you've gotten to know them, probably more than me, since since you can get in game more than I do. But um, it, it's it's never the cookie cutter militia members, which, you know, I spent a little bit of time when I was looking for a guild on Wormer's Accord and looked at this one militia guild that had later hours, which was nice, by the way. But I couldn't, I couldn't get in with them i couldn't love their environment because it was too cookie cutter it was too uniforms and salute right and the watch is more of a motley crew which i think is great hmm. well i'm glad that you uh i'm glad that you like the guild <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah you know, you've been here for like what a year almost a year, a year. almost a year geez yeah it's like so. a year and a month in in like mid-july or early july nice yeah so i mean i don't know yeah i guess that's why i'm sticking around too is because the people here are pretty nice um so i mean so laxa as a character is not a very good troll um why is that like what, what do you what do you mean by that like she's she's <laughs> I, I don't think that you mean like they sh she's not a developed character you know that doesn't seem your style so what what is it about her that makes her a bad troll? Um, well, you know how, like, to be a good anything, uh, in terms of, like, how can I put it? In terms of, like, your, your self-identity, you, you study your ancestors, you know your culture, you know where you came from, you know what your parents valued and what their parents valued. I mean, it's it's the same as the ancestor worship that the orcs have, right? The the idea that what you are now has value because of what they did, and because of what you can add to their legacy, right? Would you okay. agree with that statement? I would. Salaxa is a bad troll because she has almost none of that. 
she, I, I don't, oh, well, whatever. Spoilers all over the place. We'll just, I'll just tell you everything that hasn't really been revealed. She, um, basically was completely neglected by her parents for all of her youth. And she learned nothing about being a troll other than trolls suck. <laughs> so she lived out in this, like, tiny little fishing village in Desolus with trolls and Torrent. And it's a mud ball, and her parents neglected her. They didn't want a kid. They didn't care about a kid. They had nothing to do with her. And so she was kind of like on her own all the time and had no ties to where she came from. She has no idea who her grandparents are or if she has aunts and uncles. Um, and so she she only absorbed trollness from what she could pick up as far as like Loa worship. She has a Loa. She knows his name. <laughs> she doesn't know much else. She didn't even really know what all the Loa were when she chose hers. But that was one thing that was kind of like a spiritual journey for her. Um, yeah, but that's why she's she's a terrible troll. If you if you try to really like pick her brain about the troll tribes, for example, she will maybe know two. And the rest she'll start like, you know, trying to redirect the conversation or hemming and hawing or parroting something that somebody else has said. Um, and yeah, that's why I say she's a terrible troll because she she's really not tied into her culture at all. She just puts on a good show so that people won't really ask questions. Interesting. Okay. I mean, yeah, so that's a, but you know, like maybe she knows enough to get through conversations, but if somebody was to actually grill her about something, then that would eventually start picking at scabs where she would have to like actually say why she doesn't know things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she knows that her heritage is dark spear. She knows right. that the dark spears started out in echo isles. She knows from conversations with Antu Zalaji that, you know, the Naga invaded the islands and Darkspear is supposed to hate Naga. But she didn't know that until she talked to Antu and, and kind of picked that up from his attitudes, oh. right? Right. Um, that sort of thing. Like, she, she knows very little, but she listens a lot and she picks up a lot. And so she can put on a pretty good show. But, you know, if somebody were to be like, you know, once upon a time on a feat of strength, I think you ask somebody to, like, name five of the troll tribes or something like that. If you asked Alaska that, she wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't either, by the way. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was the orc clans. Yeah. Um, but Or maybe it wasn't the troll tribes. I mean, you know, you've got the Zandalari, the Darkspear. Um, There's frost the, ones, right? Yeah, the, the frost trolls. I'm just gonna say you've got the Revan Tusk, right? Um, who are who are the sand ones? The blood drinkers or whatever? Oh, right, the, no. Uh, no, that's just what they do. The Sand Fury. Uh, sand, sand Fury. Fury. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sand Fury. Um, got the Gurubashi. Um, what's the other? It is oh yeah, the Amani. Oh right, the jungle trolls. Yeah, there's a couple of them. So yeah, um, but so 
is the is this act of perpetuating fraud or con artistry um, a motif with Salaxa or just when it comes to trolls? <laughs> that is a good question. One that I haven't had to explore very far yet. Um, I suspect it's a bit more of a motif than just a defense mechanism. But at the same time, I wouldn't say she's like a liar unless she feels like she needs to be. Right. Okay. So then it, it's kind of like a defense mechanism a little bit. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal with her. I, I think that uh, she wants, she tries to be as self-sufficient as possible. And she has learned over the years to use whatever tricks she has to do that. Because she's not some powerhouse per se. She's getting more powerful, but she's lived for most of her life more on her wits and her guile and her cunning than anything else. And so, yeah, the reason I say, you know, it's a little bit more of a thing for her is in the right situation, she would totally use that to her advantage. But she wouldn't just use it to use it, you know? She's not just gonna, she's not just gonna, you know, obfuscate in everyone's face to put on a mask that isn't her. Does that make that some makes sense? sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense. And I think that, um, you know, like, Salaxa Sil is not a chaotic evil character, or at least as far as I can tell. And, you know, be, being a con artist who lies for the sake of lying to deceive people because they like it, you know, is something that a chaotic evil character would do. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, draw lines between the uh, alignment chart there, but just like speaking in general terms, um, you know, that is, that's mostly true. Mm -hmm. But, so, you know, Salaxa is... As far as I know, and I, I could just be drawing a blank, but she she is your main horde RP character, right? Correct. And just about all of your other roleplay characters are on the Alliance. Yes, that is true. Um, there's a there's a distinction that I hold, which is um, and it's a tricky one. I told you that I, I do a lot of like story writing and Discord roleplay and stuff like that. And right. so when I when I talk about my roleplay mains, I'm really talking about the ones that I do in-game roleplay with. And that's that's where it gets tricky because I have these other characters that I have massive amounts of material on. Stories out the wazoo that would make your jaw drop. But I don't count them as my roleplay characters because I don't really roleplay them in the game pretty much at all. Well, so. you've got this whole like a guild on your alliance where you have like the whole collaborative thing going on with like a, as far as I know at least uh, Kagarash, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so. probably other people, the whole SI7 thing. So sort of uh it's it's different these days, but no, let me let me outline my, my world for you in terms of your question. I have Salaxa, okay. who is my Horde character that I roleplay with, and 
she's the only one that I roleplay with in game or in a guild or any of that. Um, and then I have my Drenai, whose name is Vesedra, who um, is the only one I roleplay with in game on Alliance side, really. Um, but I have this and whole. That's the Ice Queen, right? Right, that's the Ice Queen, the Void Knight. She's a Void Knight. Okay. Um, and I have this entire staple of other characters, one of which is the one that I kind of use as my main identity name, Roland. Roland is a night elf priestess. She and her twin brother are my original story characters. I think and that's it'd be, Reese. That's right, that's Reese. It'd be fair to call them roleplay characters, except you have to like keep in mind that distinction. I almost never roleplay them in game. It's all been stories written with friends and a world. I mean, uh, it's basically a world that Kagaresh and I have built over the years because she has her character, Nysera, who is Reese's wife. And, you know, that that was the beginning of the whole story was like them getting to know each other and, you know, eventually having a romance and a family and all this stuff. And it just gets like, like I said, we have an entire, an entire collection of stories that define this progression from Wrath of the Lich King, which was the oldest one. No, no, I'm sorry. Burning Crusade, which was the first one all the way to today. So you've been continuing this story on for over 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. In essence, uh, we took a break in the middle of that time period. But then when we kind of both came back to the game, we caught back up with like a story for every expansion that we had missed, which was like two or three at that point. And then, you know, stories ever since. Interesting. Do you, and this is kind of like a little off topic, but do you like feel like a, a sense of competition with Zika when they like post stories to the Discord? <laughs> you know, it's really funny that you asked that because uh, we were we were just sort of having that conversation a day or two ago, and my position is that there should be and is no competition between writers. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, another good writer just helps kind of fill the field with more good work. Uh, but but Vaz was teasing me. That he's like, I don't know about this. I don't know about having you in here. I feel like I'm threatened as the best writer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> well, and, you know, that's funny because that's, that's not why I'm asking, um, or well, it's kind of why I'm asking, um, you know, because I was thinking like, you know, beforehand, um, or before like you like really got it started on your stories, you know, Vazrock would post his, his or Zeko would post their stuff, uh, in there. But now it seems like you guys are both doing something like every other day. And it's like, who's going to put out more? It's like, oh my God. And I don't even have time to read it all. Next thing you know, I'm looking down in the friggin' lore discussion or the, the RP stories. And the last three are between, or the last six. Or so, I don't know. Now, Kag, now Kaga's in it too. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, 
you know, it's like they're trying to amass a headcount so you can get the most sh- short stories in there. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I complicated things by bringing Kaga in because, you know, as I said, she's she's like my writing partner for years. So when when we get inspired, we write. And, you know, sometimes we write solo stuff. Sometimes we'll write together. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's not a competition. I will I will never admit that it is, and I will never feel that way. I'm not a very competitive person in the first place. But also, like I said, I, I really think that giving people more to see and more to read and working together to do that is a beautiful thing and not, you know, not something to get grit teeth over, right? Uh, but yeah, I know it, it can be, it can end up being a pace that it's hard for the readers to keep up with. Uh, and I think that's okay. It's as a writer, if you're not writing for yourself because you have fun writing, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you won't get rewarded for it. You know, writing's not super rewarding. It's not like every time I post a story that, I mean, how long did we spend trying to co-write that story? Days, right? Oh, days, right, yeah. Yeah. Every story I write is like that. And sure. I post it. And I, and it disappears into the ether, right? It's not like people are messaging me going, oh, man, blah, 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 that story I read and blah, blah. It's nice that people have started at least reacting to it. That's that's one kind of, you know, uplifting thing. But the fact is, if, you, if you're writing it to get pats on the head, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Sure. And, and I don't think any of us do that. And so... Yeah, we we do need to kind of space things out, maybe coordinate a little better so people don't get overwhelmed. Um, but it's kind of just as the muse hits right now. And I was trying to do this story, and it had a lot of product, shall we say, for trying to get Salaxa through her little personal arc. And now, you know, Kagarash got all excited joining the guild and being a new character in the guild and stuff like that and got very inspired. And, of course, Vaz was just already doing his thing and working his way through a trio of novels about his character. So it's kind of butting heads right now, but it won't always. And, I I mean, I've kind of stopped in the last couple weeks, too, just as things slow down. Right. Yeah, he's on Against the Wilds, part 17. I felt like he posted the first one last week. (laughs) Well, he he posts one every single day, because he's not like me. He can finish the whole work and then start posting it. Um, So he's ahead, and he's just getting it out there once, one a day. But he's very good at making his sections short. So, you know, it's only a few pages most of the time. And it takes a little time to read. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't seriously think that there was a competition. I was being a little facetious, but <laughs> you know, it, uh, it it does kind of like not really. It, it it seems a little bit that way. Like you guys are trying to outdo each other, but obviously not in like a malicious sense. <laughs> you know, just like you know, oh, four new stories today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Whatever. Well, you know, um, joke or not, it is a true thing. Like writers, artists do the same thing. They get competitive with each other. They're sort of like, you know, I kind of hate your story because I think it's better than mine, right? Or I kind of right. hate that thing you painted because it's way better than mine. And oh, it's just a if, thing. If somebody else in the guild or on this realm started to do a podcast about their guild, <laughs> I would 
go out of my way to shit on it. That's no, right. You'd be all jealous. You'd be like, like no. What the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, get the hell out of here. But, yep. No, and I agree with you too. It's like, or, you know, I can, I can, um, sympathize, uh, sympathize with, you know, putting the story out and it disappears. Sometimes I feel like that's what happens with the episodes that I put out. You know, and like people listen to them and it's just like, yep, okay, great. But like it is, it's nice to have the creative outlet, you know, just as a, you know, it's, it's another, it's kind of like, you know, what I was talking about earlier with like the grinding and everything. It's like a cathartic way to satisfy one of the needs of my brain. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's, that's great that you've, you've got the writing for that. Everybody has their own thing, you know? Yeah, that's right. I mean, hopefully, you know, the actual work of making the podcast is something you enjoy because it's just an art thing like people absorb nowadays and they don't give a lot of feedback and so we we all have to take the pleasure from what we're creating instead of hoping for the pleasure from the applause afterwards well you know what um definitely like having the conversations like this with the people in the guild you know it makes me kind of like what you were saying it makes me feel like we're not just drones in a greater machine Mm -hmm. you know we're all individuals and that's what i like about you know being able to speak with everybody um but also um for vrog's episode and also for this one i've been making the music too um that i'm gonna be using on the intro um and like that's like kind of nice too is like i've learned how to use this program called ableton um and you know how like you can make music beats and stuff too and like just so you know the overall production is satisfying yeah that's awesome yeah not just the like you know talking with you is great and talking with rog was great and talking with everybody else beforehand was also great but being able to do this next step too is also just like really nice and fulfilling Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah so it's even more your creation that way right because beforehand, like, I was using some of the beats that my brother had made, and then there were some, like, pre-made ones that the app I'm using lets you use. So, like, you know, I don't feel so bad. It's not like I'm, like, taking a song off of iTunes and rip it, ripping it onto the, the thing, so it's mm-hmm. not like I'm stealing anything, you know? But right. um, it, it feels nice to have that, that extra layer of production under, under the belt there, I guess. That's cool. Now we can all critique your music skills too. <laughs> you certainly can. Go back to listen to Brock's episode and listen to the crappy beat that I made, which I, I feel like turned out okay, but you know. Cool. I'll have to go back. I, I don't really pay attention to the music at the beginning of any podcast that I listen to. It's just something to get things going, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that that's all it is. I'm not trying to make a hip hop beat that people are going to dance to. <laughs> Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> ready to launch your career into right. music? Well, um, you know, it's funny. There was this role play event um, years and years ago. I don't think that they've done it recently. That was called Club Tricks. Did you ever hear about that? I don't think so. How long have you been on Wormrest? Not that long. I mean, I basically came to Wormrest. Well,. There's a story there too, but essentially I came to Wormrest and was active on Wormrest just long enough to level Selexa from like 70 to 120 and then join 
the guild right before South Fury Watch, and then the watch a couple of months later. Oh, okay. Um, I've been on Wormrest since it opened in 2008. Yeah, um, you're old school. Yeah. Um, but there was this event that was put on by uh, this goblin and this human that was called Club Tricks. And um, it was an in-character dance club. Um, and I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that the two people who put it on would make a dance beats and have a live stream going um, that you could put on your computer and everybody was listening to the same thing and you would just go there and slash dance and roleplay. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I don't think that they do that anymore. But, you know, it would be cool if they did. And if they did, maybe I would try to make a beat for it. But that's a lot of work, too. Yeah, that would be fun. That's a neat way for them to kind of, like, again, get their art out there for consumption. Yeah, and it was really popular, too. Um, Like, a lot of people would show up to those. So I think that that they probably felt pretty good about themselves. (laughs) Neat. Yeah. But... Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say I've I've never, uh, I've never been good at those kind of events, or never been able to get into them, like the slice of life stuff, the uh, you know monthly fairs and um, dance parties and markets and whatever else that they kind of advertise on the Wormrest Discord. Uh, Discord. Uh, I don't know. I I don't understand those types of role plays very well. I guess, like on a very fundamental level. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find myself having the same conversation with a lot of people. It's I don't like walk up role play, um, or I you know I don't like um, anymore. At least I don't like a lot of those events that are just show up and you know, make your own fun kind of with the social atmosphere because I think that my you know at least for myself personally my character is able to shine better when there are things going on yeah you know, when there's when there are problems to be solved yeah um, action right right you know when when there are things to do and you know the the pressure's on you know that's when our characters are able to truly be themselves because if you th- if you think about it, like, you know, in real life, when you go out to, you know, dinner, or if you're going out to, like, a job fair or whatever, just, you know, to throw it out there, um, you're not really showing the the true parts, or you're not, you're not showing, like, the, the good parts of your personality, you know? So why, in a roleplay aspect, would it be any different? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there are characters where that's more fitting than others. I mean, for example, my priestess role, and she's not a combatant. She's not some awesome, you know, hero defeating Nizoth, even though technically she is, right? right. <laughs> but like in character, she, you know, can't really fight. She gets into trouble mostly because of her brother and her sister-in-law, but. She's not the hero type. She could actually, like, go to a market and just interact with people and be sweet and be kind. But I don't want to do that because that sounds really boring. 
I want to like, you know, go to a role play and have some shit hit the fan and everybody's got to scramble and something interesting actually happens and the characters can move and grow and sow some plot and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, I think we're on on the same page there. <laughs> I mean, every nice and or every now and again, um, actually, I think that we had an event um, a couple months back where Greya took us into Orgrimmar to like kind of like make our own role play. Yeah. Um, and uh, Lance and Taruk went to had to track down this peon who was supposed to like you know get their blacksmithing order or whatever. Um, and they went to the blacksmith, and the, the peon hadn't showed up with the money, so the blacksmith wasn't going to give them the goods. So Lance and Truk had to um, track down the, the peon. So Lance said, screw that, and instead they went to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. And, like, you know, that was fun. Because, right. like, you know, Truk, not a person I get to roleplay with too often. You know, and it was kind of fun to just, like, go out and, like, you know, interact with him one-on-one, but also have, like, you know, the other people in there chime into their conversation. I think they, they got into, like, torn culture or something. Um, you know, like, so stuff like that every now and again is fine, but, like, so long as there's, like, the underwriting current of, like, you know, there is, like, action happening here. Yeah, there's a know? mission. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that I actually got to attend that event, and I thought it was amazing because... It was a little slice of life, but it was still a mission. It was still a plot, you know? There was still things to do and not just stand around, drink tea, and ask questions of each other. <laughs> and right. so, like, in that one, you you guys were off dealing with the blacksmith, and Salaxa and Calric went to, like, get some fabric from the fabric store or something like that. Did you guys like end up at the orphanage or something? Yeah, well, that's it. It was right across from the orphanage, and the vendor was like, "Oh, you know, I had your shipment right here, but then the kids stole it, and they like to steal stuff from us and play hide and seek with it. So go over to the kids and like talk to them, <laughs> convince them, right?" And Salaxa is just eating this up because she loves kids, and she right. just like goes over there, and there's this NPC in front of it, <laughs> the, the orphanage, and. You know, I'm just role playing, and Salax was like, "Hey!" And she's like, "My, my buddy here. He, she knows him." And then I realized later that it's actually that Zappy boy who's like a well-known oh character. And I was like, "Well, oops." But, but yeah, it was just like still a mission, you know, still something to do and to focus on and bring into it less action, but still character, you know? Right. Like we're not doing just the the role play battle, you know. Right. Sometimes taking a break from that is nice. Yeah, that's the that's kind of the flip side of the event style that we have is that, you know, we try to kind of leave role play time for before and after it because the events are so structured that there's right. not a lot of like really pulling your character in in the middle of the action. We try and all do it in our little ways with the emotes and stuff, but it's rushed and it, it is what it is and it still works great. But it means that we need to like buffer events on the front and back to really get in some of the like reactions and character building and consequences of the event. Right, the fun stuff. Right. Yeah, you know, the events are fun too because they give us the vehicle for consequences. Right. You know, when when somebody has a bad role and gets skewered, 
with right. an arrow, then yeah, there might be a three-page story the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, by fun stuff, I meant like the, you know, the, the, everything that you were just talking about beforehand, you know, the, the, the fun, you know, every, the action afterwards yeah, and character building and everything. Um, no, I think, I think the mix of the D and D combat in there is refreshing because it kind of makes it more like, you know, the tabletop days of old, um, at least for myself personally, you know, rolling the dice and seeing how you do. But yeah, for sure. The I think it, as far as catalysts for extra story content goes, it's a good it's a good medium. You know, because yeah, people get injured. You know, Lance has been you know screwed up a couple times. Yeah. Um, Azurite shrapnel all over him or something. I wasn't there well, for that one. Yeah. Right. Well, so that kind of coincided with a short break that I took. But yeah, he got blasted in the chest by like some azurite cannon or some shit um mm -hmm. and before that zeka has a good way of or actually zeka was not running that event i don't think but um zeka was running an event maybe a year ago um and lance was like stuck in this like uh grounded ship um that exploded and that's why he has burn wounds all over his body oh yeah so most of the injuries that he has are recent additions <laughs> are zyka's fault <laughs> yeah right so, as if you're listening <laughs> no but um so yeah uh, and i like that too because um you know it's a it's a different kind of character progression it's not necessarily a mindset change but an appearance change too and that aesthetic is you know, if somebody that he knew from years ago were to see him now, it wouldn't be like, oh, it's Lance. It would be, oh, it's Lance. <laughs> yeah. It's not looking good. Different different Lance. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, is kind of interesting with the way we do things, too, in our environment. And, and this World of Warcraft environment is like, you know, you could, as a player, have chosen to have Lance healed all up, right? And be scarless. And, you know, even if he was injured for a while, you know, he could have gotten all those burn wounds healed up to the point where there were no marks. Right? That's an option. And I know there are different, like, schools of thought for that. But, it, again, it's like, but you kind of want to have the right amount of consequences for your comfort level. Sure. And if you heal everything up, you know, there's, there's no fancy battle scars, hmm. you know? I mean, Lance is a married man, but how is he supposed to impress all the females if he doesn't have any battle scars? Wait a you minute. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like, you know, there's, there's no evidence of the, the struggle that the character has been through. If you erase everything with those magic erasers, you know? Right. Um, and so that's why I think it's important to, you know, and I think that anybody would feel the same, is that, you know, showing the signs of tear in your character when it comes to the world of Warcraft is important. Yeah. But now here's a here's some food for thought for you, for example. I don't really like scars. And I don't really 
intend to, I don't tend to, I don't use them often. Um, Salaxa just got healed up, right, from this huge ordeal, which was a consequence of the um, Azurite blood plague that we dealt with. And um, she was really hurt up for a really long time, <laughs> a stupidly long time. But uh, she has no scars. I chose for her consequences to be more internal and less visible and not marks on her flesh, which is just an, another way of the same thing, right? I'm, it's not going to disappear. It shouldn't. But it doesn't have to be something that anybody walking by can see. Yeah, sure. Um, and I agree with that. I, I guess I was saying, like, you know, that the the physical affectations can be a form of character progression too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, it's a, it's a completely legitimate choice that every player gets with the characters, which is one of the glories of the, the world, the ill-defined world we play in. Right. You right. can choose to say that it's been more than five hours. So this wound is going to scar, even if it's healed. Right. Or you can choose to say, I don't care. <laughs> it's been three days, but, heal me up bitch <laughs> i don't want scars right and that's just sort of something that's not so defined that you, that there's no room to play pop a little moon well water on there and bada bing we're good to go right exactly like my priest does, my one of you know I, at the beginning of battle for azeroth of course the night elves suffered the the tree being burned and all this stuff for for the opening of the war and um i have a very long story where the my priestess and her brother and sister-in-law were all there like it's a it's a whole romp through like dark shore into darnassus as the tree is burning and back out again and um even though she's a healer and she can take care of all these wounds herself she has a scar on the back of her shoulder now a burn scar that I chose to keep, right? <laughs> Where, you know, the explanation gets squirrely, but this is one of those, like, it should be visible type of consequences. Mm. I hear you. Um, and, you know, that's that's a, that's a sensical scar for them to have, you know, to have a sign that they were there to witness kind of the downfall of their own civilization in a way. You know that's that's a that's a mental scar, but also a physical one too. You know it's hard to escape the burning, right. I guess, and the war. Yeah, um, and and plenty of people play with that as well. It's just sort of right. you know, for a character like her, right? The the mental scars are far deeper than the physical ones. Sure. But it felt appropriate to leave something physical for others to see as well. Yeah. No, and you know, part of me also likes kind of the the randomness factor of um, when we're doing the roll events. If I'm having a horrible roll night, and you know, Lance does reach zero out of three HP, you know, <laughs> which is not a super high number count to be. So, like, you know, three bad rolls and he's down. Um, you know, sometimes, like, depending on the context of how it happens, it's fun to you know kind of like gander at uh whether or not you know there's going to be some kind of physical loss there mm. you know and i kind of like that too and yeah. you know bo both of those changes you know his raspy voice now 
um, and the burn wounds are both, you know, times where he where I, where I rolled bad, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what I I really like that about the system we use because um, you can choose the consequence of every dice roll at all levels basically you know all you have to adhere to is whether it was a piece of damage to you a moot where you didn't do anything or a piece of damage to the enemy right and it actually took me a few events to get past this mindset of like a low roll a wound to yourself was a goofy mistake you know Mm-hmm. And so at first I found myself always doing like stupid stuff like she's running so forward and she again. trips and she falls on her own plane. <laughs> and right. I was like, oh, God, she's looks so pathetic. And then I just sort of had one of those light bulb moments where I was like, that's not that's not the rule or the expectation. Just because I rolled a dorphy number doesn't mean that the character has to have a dorphy action to go with it. No. No, they can be they can be sparring with the enemy and lose, you know. Yeah, or, it can be a, like a glorious wound. Right. It took me a little while to figure that out. I don't know why. I I don't know if it's just like that feeling you get when you roll low and you're like, oh, I'm such a goofball. Well, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's like in Dungeons and Dragons or um, do you watch TikTok? Random question. Do you know what TikTok is? Is that TED Talks? No, TikTok. <laughs> um, no, so so TikTok is it's a form of social media that's kind of like a Vine, uh, which I don't know if you know what that is either. Um, but they are just like kind of short videos that people put out there, um, and a pretty common one is that somebody will say, "Oh, I'm gonna make a sandwich," and then they roll a d20 and they get a one, you know. So they like make some horrible sandwich creation that looks like a monster um or something like that and it doesn't sound as funny me explaining (laughs) but 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 it is kind of funny um you have to see it (laughs) i'll see if i can find one it's kind of embarrassing that i know what tiktok is because it's like for people who are 15 years old um but i'll see if i can find one and and send it to you so that you can understand what i'm talking about um But like you know, d- uh, rolling a one on the d twenty on the d twenty is a critical fail. And like if you were playing in Dungeons and Dragons, the dungeon master would be like, "Oh, um, you know, you stab yourself in the eye because you're stupid," you know, like, <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah. So you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. It feels like in this particular instance, you know, your character is not just not just failing to make an attack; they are getting wounded their mental capacity has also, or, you know, their, their IQ has dropped below <laughs> the levels of a conquat. Right. Um, and, you know, their life is over. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And then so, you get to the end of that role play and you're like, you're looking back on it. You're like, oh, my awesome, badass fighter character just looks like a nerd who can't right. put one foot in front of the other. Yep. So... Yeah, it's good that you got over that that <laughs> hump because it, you know definitely not how it has to be. Yeah, it's an important lesson to learn. Unless yeah. you want your character to look like a dwarf all the time, which you know might appeal to some people. So Lex is a comedy character, but even she shouldn't look like a dwarf all the time. Like a dwarf. <laughs> dwarf. 
D O R F. I don't know. It's uh, some Midwestern term, I guess. Call it that. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. A goober. Uh, a dingbat. A dingbat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, dingus. Yeah. Okay. A fool. Yeah, <laughs> she shouldn't look like a jester, you know? She should look like a badass, agile fighter who likes to laugh a lot. Yeah, that doesn't mean that they have to roll ones all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> anyways, um, I hate to you know, cut this short, but it is 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning for me. Um, I did have a quick game put together, um, but I was expecting our conversation to go one way. And it didn't go that way. Um, and so you can decide as to whether or not you want to play it. Um, <laughs> All right. I was going to give you one minute to answer 10 simple questions and see how many you get. Um, but I was going to talk about how you are a horde player now and you need to get these questions right as like kind of a citizenship test to see if you can go back to playing the Alliance. <laughs> Okay. And if you, you know, if you fail, obviously, then you're stuck in the horde. Uh, <laughs> All right. So. Well, that's fair. We've we've talked a little bit about the alliance as well. Okay. All <laughs> right. So we'll we'll put a minute on the clock. Let me just get a stopwatch going here. Well, I'm probably gonna be terrible at this. That's all right. Uh, it's ten questions, and we'll just see how many we get through. You know. All right. For a minute. Let me just. Yeah. One minute. All right. You ready? I'll, I'll, I will start the stopwatch after I ask the first question. All right. So let me get myself set up here because I don't have somebody keeping score. I have to do all these things. It's very hard. Do all the all things, things at once. That's right. All right. Um, forgetting the war of the th uh, the war of the thorns. What is the main night elf city? Forgetting it? You mean Darnassus? Yes. Okay. Does Toronto Whisperwind have any siblings? No. Okay. Uh, which family sells cheese in Stormwind? Oh, uh, I don't know. You can say skip. Skip. Okay. Who is the Pandaren rep to the Alliance? Oh, um, Asa something something panda chick. Close enough. Um, <laughs> whose urn did Arthas use to transport Kel'Thuzad to Northrend? Oh, his father's. Nice. Um, who is the head Wildhammer dwarf? Um, I don't know. They all have the same sounding names. I don't know. Skip. Okay. Um, does Moira Tharison have a daughter or a son? She has a son. Okay. Who was the king of Stormwind before Varian? Lanerin. Nice. Okay, that's all we got through. That was a minute and one second, and I gave you the last one. Oh, thanks. All yeah. Right. So you got uh, six out of eight, which is pretty good. Not bad. So, but let's let's ask the last two, just because I like them. Um, who is the Leper Gnome King of Nomergon? The Leper Gnome King? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't remember that guy's name at all. Nope, skip. Okay. <laughs> um, and let's see. Which world tree was created by the dragons? Um, 
Nor Drizzle, I think. There you go. Wow, that's good. That wasn't even really an alliance question. That was my fuck you, uh, <laughs> Night Elf War question. <laughs> dragons are uh, cool, Tops. Dragons are cool. The dragons are cool. <laughs> uh, Sicko Thermoplug. Oh, uh, yeah. Sparkmaster Thermoplug, right? Isn't that what they called uh, him? In the in the uh, dungeon? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, his first name is Sicko. Sicko? Or, yeah, S-I-C-C-O. Oh, what a great name. <laughs> right. Um, and I think he was Mechjaneer, but I could be wrong there. Um, mm. yeah. And the Trias family sells cheese. Trias cheeses. Yeah, I don't yep. think, like, that doesn't even really sound super familiar to me, even now you've said it. You know, the reason why I remember it is because I think that Elling Trias used to be part of, like, a rogue quest Mm-hmm. Where he's like, he sells cheese, but he's not actually a guy who sells cheese. Like, he, he actually works for SI7. He's a contraband cheese guy. Right. Well, he's also like a spy or something. <laughs> and I felt like that's maybe why you may have known it. Mm. He's like, it's like one of the first quests you do once you get to Stormwind. It's like something outside that cheese shop. Yeah. Um, and Falstad is the. Wildhammer Dwarf guy. Oh, yeah. Filestad. See, the problem is with me, <laughs> if you ever have a long conversation with me about video games, you'll find this out, too. I I am very bad with names. <laughs> very bad. So, if two names are at all similar, then they start blending together in my head. For example, Vazrock and Valkosk. Legit, for the first three months I was in the guild, I thought those were the same person. Because their names were this like so similar that I was like, I think that's the same name. Interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, they're both orcs, you know, <laughs> and they're they're both pretty like the the names aren't that far apart. Val Vazrock and Valkosk. You know, I, I can understand why you might mix those up. Yeah. Well, plus I didn't have any identity to them at that point in time, other than their names. So like, right. You know, I had nothing to go on except those two names, and they were just so orc and so similar and i just would get them mixed up all the time all sure. the time yeah uh, but yeah I, I do the same thing with video games my my mr Manface will tell you quite often about how i will ask him about that game where we do the thing and then we play that thing and then there's those guys and he's like yeah you mean every endless game legend. ever <laughs> no he, he's oh. really good actually he's like oh you mean endless legend or oh. you mean uh, Civ three, or oh. <laughs> and I'll just be like, yeah, that one. That's funny. Yeah, he's he's you know we've been married a little bit and he knows me so he's just kind of like he keeps all the names in his head and I keep all the things that happen in the game in my head. He's gotten used to all of your um, all of your uh, mannerisms That's or right. whatever. Yeah, your your words. The the advantages and disadvantages of being married. Well, communication's a good a good skill to have uh, mastered in a marriage. I would I would think. It's an excellent piece of advice to keep close to your chest for someday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, I guess that um, you did pass your alliance citizenship chest. So, if you ever wanted to leave. <laughs> you could always go back 
but uh thanks you know, i appreciate that don't do that so <laughs> how about i just straddle the line and play both forever the day will come eventually where you have to choose sides oh that's gonna be rough it's gonna be a rough day it's gonna be rough on some people but not on us <laughs> Because you're gonna choose the horde. <laughs> well, right now it's a really easy choice because my my alliance guild is dead. Nothing is happening and hasn't happened for months and months and months. And it's not very big to begin with, so I don't know that it'll really pick up much in Shadowlands. No. But we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you know, like I said before, I. I kind of can live in the space of my stories and Discord, and I have two really good partners that I write a lot with on Draenei stuff. And so I'm relatively content. Don't need a guild for that. Yeah, I just need the watch to keep me entertained on Horde. Gotcha. And, you know, teach me the Horde ways and educate me in Hordeness. Well, anytime you ever need a lesson in the Horde... Don't go to Lance. <laughs> Lance is exactly the right kind of person to be like, yeah, you know, middle ground, hordish, whatever ish. Yeah. Yep. He's uh he's not a Loctaro Gar orc, but you know, he's he's not an alliance pansy either, so Yeah. Middle ground. Anyway, so um I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Oh, my um, pleasure. Definitely a lot of fun. Uh, do you have any last words or shout-outs before <laughs> we close this out? No, that's okay. I think okay. I've said plenty of words. I didn't know I could talk so much. I know. Uh, we are just at about two hours here. So <sighs> nice job. I hope you're going to trim it for the poor audience out there. No. <laughs> oh dear. Nope. They all get to suffer. No. <laughs> well, they're going to be like, we hate you. You can never do the podcast again. <laughs> all right. Well, <clears throat> for everybody listening, uh, thank you for sticking with us for two hours. And we will see you next time on the South Fury Watch podcast. <laughs>